Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. As was already previously mentioned by a robotic stranger woman that I paid dozens of dollars through the internet to record for me to sound more official. Uh, But really, it's just me in my parents' house with equipment I got from Best Buy. But it sounds more official than that, no? But anyways, I want to welcome you to what today I'm calling the Danger Zone. The Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, otherwise known for today as the Danger Zone. Calling it the Danger Zone because if you follow me, on Instagram, on social media, which if you don't, you should. But I assume like 98.7% of you, pretty much every single person that listens to me other than the three people from uh, Pakistan that watch, or not watch, but listen to these, uh, you follow me on Instagram. And so you know that this episode was stirred up by something that I shared on my social media yesterday and I'm not going to go into the, the nitty-gritty, if you will, the details of what that particular thing was, of why I feel stirred in my spirit to make a specific episode for you guys today, um, because if you are follow me on Instagram, you already know what it is. And I'm also not wanting to be in the business of being a very uh, calling-out-people-by-name sort of person. Not that I think that's wrong biblically. I think there are circumstances and situations where that is required for people within the church, especially those that are ministers, people that should be holding themselves to a higher standard than the average Christian or even the unsaved. I feel like there should be a place where Christians can sharpen other Christians through the Word of God. And so... I don't think that's wrong, but I also don't want to come off as a judgmental, harsh, bitter person that just their entire ministry is criticizing other people within the ministry. I don't want to become that person. And so today, I'm not going to be focusing completely on that specific event of what happened yesterday, but upon that happening and upon me sharing my thoughts from the Bible about what happened, I felt stirred in my spirit to share on a topic that I think is very needed. There are things that need to be said, especially to the younger crowd, about things that are taking place in the church, things that are taking place within the leadership of people that are popular right now. And I understand that those people that are popular and have much bigger followings than me, have many more eyes on them, have many more listeners, have a much bigger impact than me in this present moment, mind you. I'm just starting out. But I understand that they have a lot of young eyes and ears on them, and not just young, because I know there's a lot of people that are middle-aged that gravitate towards these kinds of individuals. And I felt stirred in my spirit to share about something that I feel is dangerous that has been growing in the body of Christ through the past 
a few years or so, and maybe even longer than a decade. Um, it just depends on when you think these things started creeping into the body of Christ. But I felt to share about where I think millennial, Generation Z, whatever you want to call it, Christianity is headed and why it's a dangerous place to be. And I want to talk about the anointing today. What is the anointing? What produces the anointing? When you are anointed, what are things that you have to do in your lifestyle to conduct yourself in a way that preserves the anointing and makes the anointing stronger upon your life? I don't believe that you can receive different kinds of anointings. I think the anointing is the anointing. I don't think there's specialized versions of the anointing. I think the anointing manifests itself through a person in different ways when you go from person to person, but the anointing is the same. And so I believe that you can make the anointing leave your life if you conduct yourself in a way that doesn't please the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans, and I didn't write it down as a scripture reference, but I know the Bible says in the book of Romans, Paul said that the gifts of God are without repentance. The gifts of God are without repentance. And so I believe from the Bible that there are people that are very, very, very gifted, much more gifted than I am, can sing a million times better, can play instruments a million times better, know how to make things look good and seem good and feel good and understand how to make things look and what young people gravitate towards and what kind of t-shirts we should make and what kind of conferences we should hold and how many of this, how many of that. And they, they are very, very gifted people. And I even believe that there are things that they do that are anointed. But I believe from the Bible that if you believe that you can just live in any way that you want, if you don't believe that there's a standard of holiness and righteousness that's required of a minister, then you're headed down a bad, bad path. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, the Bible says, but the end thereof is death. And I want to show you from the Bible and really share from my heart. I don't have many notes for this. And this is something that I felt in my spirit for a long time. And I'm glad I finally set aside some time on this podcast to vocalize how I feel about it. And I know just from how many responses last or yesterday, I got more responses on that entire rant, if you will. Um, I got more responses and more interaction from that than anything I've ever done preach or said on my social media, any thought I've ever shared, anything. I've gotten, I got way more response probably than anything I've ever done just from sharing how I felt about that issue. And so today I understand that there are people that want to live holy. There are people that don't want to be like the world. There are people that don't want to have one foot in church and one foot in the world and think it's okay. There are people that want to separate and be holy and be anointed. And that encourages me to know that there are people out there that are like me. And I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person. And I know if you're listening to this and you agree with me on these things, you don't believe that you're a perfect person. But you do believe that the Holy Spirit is perfecting you. You do believe that there is an ability through the Holy Ghost to live in power over sin. 
Or like Paul said, instead of sin making you its slave, you have made sin your slave. That there is that ability through the power of God to live that lifestyle free from sin and live holy and be a pure vessel, an honorable vessel for God to use for his kingdom. And so I want to jump in. I'm already eight minutes in, but I want to go to the first letter of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want to talk about holiness. I want to talk about what produces the anointing on a person's life. I want to talk about why the Lord asks us to separate from the world. I want to talk about why God calls us to live a holy lifestyle and approach it from a place that's not legalistic. Because I've been in, I've seen both extremes on both ends. I've seen the extreme that I shared yesterday of people that are so in grace, quote unquote, so living in the freedom of their grace and their salvation, quote unquote, that they think that they can conduct themselves in front of the world in any way they want because grace covers it and yada, 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 and this whole greasy grace, sloppy grace movement. I've seen that end, and obviously I disagree with that end. And then there's also, though, the other end of legalism and borderline Pharisee-esque living. You know, you have to wear floor-length denim skirts if you're a woman. You can't wear earrings. You can't get your ears pierced. You can't wear rings in the church if you're a woman. You can't paint your toenails. It seems like there's a lot of rules on that end for women, but hey, that's who am I to judge? Um, so I say those things not to poke fun, but to make you understand that I am aware that there are two ends of the spectrum. There's the end of greasy grace and live how you want to because grace covers a multitude of sins and you can do this and that. You can socially drink. You can uh, have sex before marriage. It's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. You can do this. You can do that. And grace covers it. And then there's also the end of legalism and borderline manipulation and control that's used on the other end where you can't even be free in God because of the amount of rules and laws that are set up that aren't even Bible-based. And so I want to show you from the Bible what true holiness is because true holiness is not what you wear. True holiness is what's on the inside of your heart. True holiness is not the kind of makeup you wear if you're a woman. I hope you're not wearing makeup if you're a man. But true holiness is what, what you put on your body. True holiness of, is what's on the inside of your body. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says, Paul said, he said, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? That your body, your, your body is a living sacrifice. That God's Spirit lives on the inside of you. And so once you understand that your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost, what then does that require of you to live holy, to preserve that temple that God gave you, which is your body? If I understand and live with the revelation that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then that takes me to a place where I have to understand that I don't do everything people in the world do. <clears throat> I don't do all the things I used to before I was saved. There might have been things I did when I was in the world that I have to give up. There will be. There will be things that I have to give up once I come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and understand that my body 
is a living sacrifice, that we have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And so just because you're saved, just because you've received salvation and forgiveness of sins, and you're even filled with the Holy Spirit, that doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want. That doesn't give you a license to be in sin, to be in full-blown rebellion. And I'm one of these people where I'm not in the business of, I'm not interested in tiptoeing to the line of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. I want to live above the line. You know what I mean? I'm not one of these people that wants to get as close to the fire as possible before they get burned. I'm not like one of those people. They say that there are many people every year that die because they go to the Grand Canyon and they see how close they can get to the edge before they fall into the massive hole that is the Grand Canyon. And they die every year. Many people do because they try to get as close as they can and they soon learn that that's a grave mistake to make. And so, you know, call me judgmental, call me legalistic, and believe me, if you knew real legalistic people, you would, wouldn't say I'm, I'm legalistic. But anyways, call me a judgmental person, call me a Pharisee, whatever. You know, it's so funny how people will call you that kind of stuff when you're just believing the Bible, when you're just preaching what the Bible says, when you're just trying to maintain what the Bible already declares. I'm not asking people to not eat bacon and to wash themselves uh, for your, or, I mean, you should wash yourself, but I'm not s- telling them to do like ritual purifications like a Jewish priest, you know? <laughs> I'm not asking you to fast for Ramadan or, you know, weird stuff that people in other religions do. No, all I'm saying is, is that holiness should be evident upon your life. And it's not necessarily what you wear. You're not holy just because you wear your hair in a ponytail and you have no makeup and you don't have earrings and you wear... Uh, a floor-length denim skirt and sandals. You know, you look weird, first of all. Why does everyone look the same in these churches? It's interesting. Anyways, but that's not holiness. Holiness is something on the inside of your heart. And so I want to read out of the first letter of Peter in the second chapter in the first verse. one to one The first letter of Peter, the second chapter, the first verse. The Bible says this, and I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So there is a prerequisite to that. Verse 4, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. I want to pause there because I haven't even mentioned it, but my title for today that you've already seen for 15 minutes because uh, podcasts have the titles written down for you. But uh, the title for today is Killing Cool Christianity. And I, and I love that verse there in 1 Peter 2 where it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And so one thing you have to understand about holiness and when you come to the Lord is that holiness requires you being rejected by humanity. (laughs) Holiness requires you being rejected by people that you once sought the approval of. 
Holiness requires you living your life in a way where you're seeking to please only the Lord with what you do. Because though you're rejected by people, though the people that you used to live and crave their attention and their likes and their their comments about how great you are and, and this and that, now that you've come to the Lord, you don't care if they reject you. You don't care if no one goes with you. You've decided to follow Jesus. And that's what holiness is. And I have a grave concern. And I want to make another statement before I get into this and really start sharing from my heart about this, is that I'm not an angry person. I'm not someone that wants to just criticize and criticize. I don't like people that do that all the time. But I felt really stirred in my spirit to share this because I'm afraid. I'm not afraid in the sense of uh, like demonic fear, but I have a fear that my generation will be led by these people that don't value the holiness of God and the purity of God. And what they're really after is celebrity status. What they're really after is the approval of men. What they're really after is status. What they're really after is pop culture. What they're really after is being friends with Justin Bieber and Kim Kardashian and blah, 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 blah. All they really care about is being liked by everybody. But one of the pinnacles of Christianity, one of the pinnacles of dying to yourself is understanding that when you decide to follow Jesus, they will hate you because they first hated Christ. Jesus said that. He said that they'll hate you because they first hated me. And so one thing that I want to preach to you and just talk to you from my heart from today is there needs to be a death a killing of this cool Christianity movement, that it's just about how you look, it's just about how cool your t-shirts look, it's just about how it feels, it's just about how it sounds. It's not about the spirit behind it, it's not about the motive of your heart, it's not about you having a clean hand and a pure heart, for only those shall see God, only those shall ascend the holy mountain and see the Lord. But that's what the Bible requires. It's not about how it looks, it's not about how it feels, it's not about the goosebumps you get on your arm because the melodies sound so good. It's about the heart of the individual behind the ministry. And as long as people desire the approval of humanity, as long as you're living for people to accept you and to like your Instagram post and be accepting of you being a preacher or a worshiper, and you don't really care if people are discipled, you don't really care if people are fit of the Holy Spirit in your meetings or your concerts. All you're trying to do is sell out tickets and sell out auditoriums and have the best light shows and have the best this and the best that. But at the end of the day, was Christ really magnified? Was Christ really glorified? Were disciples made of the people that you sold those tickets to? Was there actually an impact that was made on their lives? And I'm not saying that there hasn't been. I'm not saying that there aren't people that have pure hearts and there's not people that actually care and want people to be changed in the music and things like that. But what I'm seeing is a desire so much to be liked, so much to be accepted by these people that could care less about you. Why live for the approval of people that don't even care about you? That if you actually accomplished your goal, if you actually reached the pinnacle of what they call success, the pinnacle of what they call being a winner, or being rich, or being successful, you reach the pinnacle of it and you realize you're as empty as you were before. 
you realize that it doesn't matter what they think. For true holiness is rejecting the will of man. It's rejecting the desire of mankind for your life and saying, Lord, I want to live pure. I want to live holy. Father, I want to be anointed. And I understand that the anointing requires great effort. You know, I won a thing I did last year, and I loved it so much, and I want to go back, was in Washington, D.C., they have a pretty new museum. I think it's only a few years old now, but it's called the Museum of the Bible, and it's amazing. If you've never been and uh, you're close and within driving distance, you should make the trip and go. It's awesome. But one of the things they have, one of the exhibits that you can uh, look at when you're there at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., is they recreated uh, Bethlehem, Jesus' hometown, on one of the floors of the museum. And they have, like kind of like Colonial Williamsburg or Jamestown, you know how they have those people that dress up periodically, and they're not supposed to break character, but they're supposed to tell you like facts about the town, of how the people lived, and what foods they ate, and things like that. And so they have that in the Museum of the Bible for Bethlehem, and it's kind of cheesy, it's kind of corny, but there was one part that I thought was so powerful, and it was the olive press. There was an olive press in the town of Bethlehem. Most towns in that day and age, in that culture, in uh, that area, had olive presses in their towns. And so they would take the olives, and they'd put them almost like on this grindstone, this machine that as you turn it, it's a stone, a big stone that turns and it grinds these olives down to get the olive oil that will be used for the people. And one of the most powerful things about this demonstration that this guy was doing, it was like this white guy from Cleveland, but he was a, he was a quote unquote, uh, Jewish citizen of uh, Bethlehem. Uh, but you know, he did the whole presentation and he was talking about how there's three levels of the oil that they would extract from these olives through this uh, mill or this olive press. And he said the first oil that comes out of the grindstone would be used, it was the most pure oil, and it would be used in reserve for the temples for the priest to anoint with oil. That was the first type. And then there was the second type, the second kind of oil was used for food. It was used to cook. It was used to bake bread. It was used for various things for kitchens and stuff like that. But then there was the third press, the third press of the olive oil. It came out red because what they would do is there would be no olive pieces left to grind, but it was actually the seed of the olive, the pit of the olive that was left. And on the third press, the third go around, it would be a reddish color. It would have a reddish hue to it because the seed or the the pit of the olive was red. And so on that third press, when they ground down these olives, there would be a reddish oil that would come out. And I love this part because they said that they would use that oil to light their lamps in the temple. That that kind of oil, it wasn't used for eating and it wasn't used for the anointing of different sacrifices and stuff for the temple, but this third press of oil, the hardest oil to get, was used to light the lamps that they would use to keep the lights on in their houses. And I thought that was so powerful that it took three presses of the grindstone to get the oil that would be produced to keep the light and the fire burning. And 
So I felt so implored of the Lord, so stirred in my spirit to share with you that the anointing of God takes sacrifice. The anointing of God will require you to walk away from things. The anointing of God will require you to step away from things that you thought were valuable, things that you thought would be a part of your life, your whole life. And God will say, walk away from it. And in the moment, it will seem hard. In the moment, it will seem like your life's ending. It will seem like, why am I walking away from this thing that means so much to me? But I promise you in the name of Jesus, that as you make the decision to live holy and separate yourself from among the crowd and call people out of darkness, there is an anointing that can be produced in your life that can change a generation. I'm so tired of there's young people that have a hunger for God. They have a zeal for God. They have all this energy to do things for the Lord. And they have no teaching on what the anointing is, how to be anointed, why it matters, the gifts and operations of the Holy Spirit. People don't even lay hands anymore in services. They just fly to their next conference and they preach for 45 minutes and then they pray out and they hand the microphone back to the pastor and then they get on their plane and they fly to the next conference and repeat the cycle over and over. Nobody's touched by the power of God. No one's ministered to. No healed people. No deaf ears coming open. No blind eyes open, no manifestations of the Holy Ghost, but it's time, I feel it in my spirit, there's a time for people to rise up, young people that say, I don't want to be like the status quo. I don't want to embrace a little bit of the world and reject the wholeness and purity of God. I want to be anointed. And if it takes three presses or four presses or five presses, Lord, whatever it takes, take whatever you have to do to get the oil upon my life. I want to be anointed. It's not something that comes easy. It's not something that you can just live however you want and you can receive that same oil. No, it takes a pressing. It takes a crushing. It takes a grinding down. It takes the Lord allowing the oil to be placed on your life. You have to walk away from things. You have to separate yourself from the crowd. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Holiness makes you chosen and precious. Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Hallelujah. To be a holy priesthood. That's what you're called to be especially as a minister. One th pausing there again, but one thing I find so funny is they'll call you judgmental. They'll call you harsh. They'll call you a Pharisee. They'll call you this and they'll call you that. But you are saved. I'm not, I'm not saying these things to unsaved people. I'm not saying these kinds of things to people that are dead in their trespasses and sins. I'm not saying these things to people that their spirit hasn't been regenerated by the Holy Ghost. These are messages. This chapter is written to the church. This chapter is written to ministers. This chapter is written to Christians. And so, yes, there actually is a different level of judgment for people that have received the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I guess there actually is another level 
of expectation that God requires of people that he chooses to be a part of his kingdom? Why would you be on the same level? Why would someone that has received the truth be on the same level as someone that hasn't received the truth? What sense does that make? What example do you set for unbelievers that you say you're saved? You say that you're a Christian now. You say that Jesus changed your whole life. But then when they look at your life, you look just as bad or worse than them, and they haven't even come out of their sin yet. What point does that make? What message does that preach to people? Ridiculous. And now I'm the problem? Preachers like me are the issue? We're judgmental. I'm not judging sinners. God judges sinners. I'm, I'm trying to sharpen my brothers and sisters that are supposedly filled with the Holy Ghost and in covenant with God. Have all things passed away and become new or not? Doesn't even make logical sense. You talk to these people and they can quote to you every lyric of every new song that's on the top 50 of the Christian billboards on iTunes, but then they can't quote seven scriptures and they wonder why they're confused. They wonder why everything's an emotional roller coaster. They wonder why they need a mental health awareness professor to come in and talk to people because they have no oil on their life to set anybody free from anything. And I believe in my spirit that the people that criticize it the most criticize it because they have an own hidden sin in their life. And they're scared. Because God's raising up people that will expose that kind of stuff and not stand for sloppy, killing, cool Christianity. Living sloppy. Living to be cool. Living to be acceptable. Listen, living to be approved by people that could care less about your God. Like that's some testimony. It's not a testimony. If there's no distinction between light and darkness, where do people turn to? What relationship does light have with darkness? Where's that being taught in the church? Put that on your next Christian conference with your cool graphic of the ocean behind it. Ridiculous. Just launch a clothing line and stop preaching and stop producing worship albums. Just be that. Just drive your Mercedes and play your Drake music and be cool. Don't bother us and infect us with your sin. Laying hands on people and giving them a spirit of suicide and anxiety because you never got set free from it. You're playing a dangerous game with God and he'll hold you accountable for it on judgment day. You think I'm harsh, only God can judge me. Oh yeah, he will judge you. And his judgment will be much, much worse than mine. Because trust me, I don't have a lake of fire to throw you into, but he does. So I'm trying to help you. Who really loves you? Think about it. Who really loves you? The person that lets you live however you want, with the knowledge and the knowing that if you keep living that way, you'll die and go to hell? Or the person that says, hey, you're on a wrong track, my friend. If you don't change the way you're living, there's a train coming around the bend and it's going to take you out. And he'll do anything. He'll jump in the way of the train to push you out of harm's way. That's love. That's love. My generation has it so backwards. They think love is letting you do whatever you want. 
They think love is not receiving correction from a father or a mother in the faith. That's not love. That's rebellion. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And I never really understood that fully until you realize that as soon as people rebel against that stuff, then comes the witchcraft of suicide and people cutting their wrists and everybody singing the new album, but they're still as stuck in fear and depression as they've always been. No deliverance, just this soulless roller coaster of nothing. Why? Why? Go to church every Sunday. Why wear the t-shirt? Why be a part of it if you're the same person you've always been? Why? To put on a facade? Because you're so desperately wanting to be liked by people that you'll do whatever you can to be liked by every walk of the street? Why? What happened to death to self? What happened to carrying your cross on a daily basis? What happened to being rejected by the world because they rejected Christ first? What happened to being a vessel of honor? What happened to the anointing being the only thing that matters? What happened to that? You wonder why we don't see miracles like we did in the 1960s and 70s with A.A. Allen and Catherine Kuhlman and Jack Coe, Kenneth Hagin. You wonder why that's gone? I'll tell you why it's gone, because no one values it anymore. There's a price. There's a price to God's miracle-working power. You should read that book. Instead of listening to that same album that has no anointing on it, there's a price to be paid for God's power. And I want it. I want to pay the price. I want to live that life. I want to be anointed. That's all that matters to me. Everything else can come after. But if I seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto me. That's what I believe. It's not live however you want. It's not portray yourself however you want. That's not the Bible. That's not the cross. That's not redemption. That's not real salvation. That's not grace. That's a lie. And I'm concerned with a generation being led astray by people that just want to be accepted, that just want to be approved, that just want status and fame. People that they couldn't make it as a secular artist. And so they lied as a Christian so that they could be popular in music. It's called how it is. Let me tell you something. Beyonce does it way better than you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to be like them, you can't be like them because they're better than you. And just because you couldn't make it there, you want to try to deceive people with your false impression of who you really are. But God's calling people to be holy. He's raising a righteous remnant that will live for him and not be ashamed of it. Be proud of it. We'll keep reading. In 1 Peter 2, verse 6, 1 Peter 2, 6, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, why? Because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you, so understand, see that. See the distinction that the word of God makes. They stumble. Not talking about believers. Well, we all stumble, brother. That's not what he's talking about. Well, you can see clearly, Preston, that it says that we will stumble. He's not talking about the saved church, bro. He's talking about unsaved people. They will stumble over a rock of offense, which is what? Jesus being the rock. The offense being that he claimed to be the son of God. That's what they stumble over because they don't believe. And so they stumble because of a disbelief in the word of God. But as for you, as for you, meaning you and me, if you're saved, if you're not saved, we can pray at the end of this podcast together. I'll give that opportunity. But as for you, child of God, son of God, daughter of God, as for you, verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where is this being preached? Why do you have to scramble through 70 podcasts on a cleaner kitchen and relationships and how to have a better marriage and blah, blah, blah to get to holiness, righteous living, purity? Because it's not cool. Because it doesn't uh, work as a graphic on your next t-shirt, you joker. Casually drinking. Posting lewd photographs on your social media. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm not talking about rappers. I'm talking about ministers of the gospel. Worship leaders. People in positions of authority and influence. That God has given a gift. And they throw it away to be accepted by people that don't care about them. And then they deceive a whole generation and hook them in with junk. A holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. I feel the anointing on that scripture. I'm going to read that from the beginning. But you, child of God, you son of God, you daughter of God, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why does God do it? Why does God require the separation? Why does God require you to be different and separated? Why? Because that you might proclaim what does that mean? Preach, speak the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why does God require holiness of his people? Because that's the only way to proclaim the excellencies of who he is so that you can call people that are now in darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you deliver someone from something that you haven't yourself been delivered from? How can you set people free 
from anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts while you're on a bed with a gun to your head. And you do the dance and you know how to do the shout and you know how to play church. You know how to make it seem like you're on the right track. But on the inside, you're dying. On the inside, your sin is eating away at your soul. And because of wanting to be cool, because of wanting to be accepted, because of wanting to be a part of the status quo and be popular, you allow it to waste away at your mind and your spirit and your soul and your body. It's a demonic attack. And it has to be broken. Holiness. Purity. Righteous living. Separation. That's what produces the anointing. I want to be a part of that third press of the olive oil. I want to have that oil upon my life. I want my lamp to always be burning. Father, allow everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, allow their lamps to always be burning. Father, allow no enemy to extinguish the flame that's on the inside of them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the fire of the Holy Ghost that burns on the inside of them now is but a spark in comparison to where you're going to take them, to how hot they will burn, to how big that flame will be. Allow that light to never go out. Allow that fire to never grow cold in Jesus' name. I want to be anointed. I want to be anointed. When I pray, I pray, Father, I want to be anointed. I prepare messages. I prepared for this. I read. I have things in my spirit. I have an outline sometimes. But most of all, I want to flow in the Holy Ghost. I want to be anointed. I want God's Spirit to speak through me. I don't want some well-articulated etiquette message that has no power. I like what Paul said. I didn't come to you in the excellency of man's speech and enticing of words, but I came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want. I know if you're listening to this, and you've gotten to this far, that's what you want. Live for the Lord. Live righteously. Separate unto greatness. And God will use you in this last period of time. I promise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to read verse 16 of First Peter 2. Listen to this. Verse 16, live as people who are free. Man, I could just stop there. Live as people who are free. Live as people who are free. A lot of Christians with a lot of chains. A lot of Christians that know how to play the character of being a Christian. A lot of Christians that know how to use Christianity for a platform. A lot of Christians that know how to use Christianity for attention. But they got the same chains that they've had for years and years and years. 
What breaks that? Isaiah 10, 27. The anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. The anointing breaks it. And how do you get that? How do you get that force that breaks every chain of bondage sent from the enemy? How do you get rid of them? How do you live holy? How do you maintain a word life and a prayer life? The word. People don't know the Bible anymore. Just from me putting out this kind of podcast, I know I'll get backlash for it. I know I'll get people that will think, that will unfollow me on Instagram and think I care. I don't care, man. You're not going where I'm going. We don't want the same things in that case. I love you. I hope the best for you. I pray God increases you and uses you. But we're not headed down the same track. I want to be anointed. I want God to be evident on my life. That's what I want. I don't want to come on here once a week and give you some recycled, dead, dry thing. I don't want to have to go on sermons.com like these guys do. I know they do. They've told me they do. Just go on sermons.com, whatever's the message of the week, print it out, read from paper for 30 minutes and pray out. No, I want Holy Ghost preaching. I want the oil of God upon my life and my ministry. I want people to be set free. I don't want casual Christianity. I don't want cool Christianity. I want life-changing, life-transformative power. And that doesn't come from me. I'm self-aware enough to recognize that. It comes from the Holy Ghost. It comes from the anointing. Hallelujah. It breaks every yoke of bondage. Hallelujah. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for your evil. Selah. <laughs> Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. I'm going to go right into 1 Peter chapter 1 now. And I want to begin in verse 13. As we come to the end of this episode, at the end, I'm going to give an opportunity for repentance of sin and for you to pray a prayer with me where you can be saved and know that you're saved and know that you're forgiven. And after we pray that prayer, I promise you, you'll feel a million pounds lighter that tonight, if you would pray that prayer, you would get the best night's rest that you've ever had. So I'm going to read this and close in prayer for my friends. And I'm going to give that opportunity for everybody. And if you don't feel the need to pray that prayer, you're saved. I know a lot of saved people listen to these episodes. I'm going to pray for you that God would give you an anointing so strong and so great in this last hour of time that He'd use you to be a marked difference in His body in this last period of time that you won't be a part of the status quo. You won't be living for approval. You won't be living to be a cool Christian or be a part of cool, quote-unquote, Christianity. But you're living on fire 
because you know time is coming to an end and you know people really need the Holy Ghost to be evident in all that they do in their lives. I'm going to pray those two different prayers after I read from 1 Peter 1. We're going to pray both of those prayers together. But listen to this in verse 13 of 1 Peter 1. The Bible says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought. Hallelujah. That will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Not just on a church platform, not just when you're about to preach, not just when you're leading people in worship, in all your conduct, not just when it's seen, not just when it's an Instagram post, because you think, if that's happening in public, in front of everybody's eye, what's going on behind the scenes that nobody sees? Makes you think, no? You know, they say, if you find a roach and you can see it publicly, like in front of your eye in your kitchen, that probably means that there's hundreds in the walls because most cockroaches aren't dumb enough to come out of the hiding of being inside of a wall. And so if there's one that's so bold to come out and be right in the open, there's a much worse problem hidden behind the wall <laughs> in all your conduct, whether it's seen by people or only God can see it. In all your conduct. Because just as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Verse 16. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. You know, God, you know, I don't hear any grace in Preston's voice. You know, I don't understand why he would say these kinds of things. I don't understand it. You know, the Bible actually says to conduct yourself with the fear of the Lord. It doesn't just mean a admonition and respect for the Lord. It means that you understand that God has the ability to destroy your soul. And so you live your, your life in a way that's pleasing to the one that holds that power. You understand God decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Yes? So why live your life in a way that you don't fear the Lord? You're so prideful that you think your gift makes you exempt from what the Bible actually teaches about righteous living, that's a mistake, my friend. Living for the approval of God, living a holy lifestyle, still matters. It's still in the Bible. You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile meaning that this world that we presently live in, it's just a temporary holding place. We're just passing through. Our real home is in heaven. 
Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass in all its glory. All the Instagram pictures, all the likes, all the shares, all the eyes, all the status, all the popularity, all the fame. It's like the flower of grass. And the grass withers, the flower falls. One day, there will be a new Instagram platform. There will be a new social media. There will be a new thing vying for everyone's attention. There will be a new thing everyone's using to be seen. They'll all pass away. It will all be worth nothing. Your cool t-shirts, your 17 different t-shirts from all the different conferences and all the different albums, they'll all rot. Moths will eat every single one, and what will matter? The word of the Lord. For the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forevermore. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Father, right now, firstly, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is as powerful when I speak it as when you speak it. That, Father, just from me reading from your Bible, it's just like you're saying it in person as if you were with us right now. So, Father, right now, I thank you that by the power of your word, you would convict people that need to repent of their sins. Father, your word declares that all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. So, God, right now, I'm going to give the opportunity for people to be saved by your power, by the convicting power of your word that made them realize that they need to accept you either for the first time or rededicate their life and repent of things that they thought were normal. God, take us to a higher level of living. Take us to purity. Take us to righteousness. Take us to holiness. We want to live a life that's beyond reproach. We don't want to just live a life that appears to be good, but Father, from the inside out, purify us by your power in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you want to pray a prayer with me, a very simple and short prayer that we can pray together, and after you pray it, you can feel forgiven and saved and on your way to heaven, I want you to say this after me. Just say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to serve you. I choose to reject the ways of the world. 
I choose to reject what the world calls success. I choose to reject what the world calls valuable. And I choose to accept what you call valuable. Father, right now, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. I am saved. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that he was the Son of God. Father, as of right now, I'm assured that I will spend my eternity in heaven with you. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to let me know. Get in contact with me uh, on social media, on Instagram, if you want to let me know that you prayed that prayer with me. I would love to hear from you. And lastly, before I leave you alone for a little while, a few days, I want to pray a prayer for all of my friends that stayed on and want to live holy, want to be anointed, want to be used of God in this last period of time before Jesus returns, that you don't care about being cool. You don't care about being accepted by people that aren't even saved. You want to be unique. You want to be separated. You want to be like the Bible says, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You want to be a part of that, and you want the anointing of God to be evident in everything you do, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Actually, excuse me, I want to pray this prayer for you. And it's going to work. There's power in prayer. There's power in our words. And I believe just from you listening all the way through, you're already receiving what you need from God to live that kind of life. But Father, right now, I pray for all my friends that are on this podcast. If they weren't saved before, they're saved now. And so God, right now, we have a desire to live holy. Father, we have a desire not to be accepted by men, but to be approved by you. For your word declares that we are chosen and precious in your eyes. And so, Father, allow our conduct, allow our way of living, allow the way that we operate in our lives be acceptable and holy and pleasing to you. For your word declares that if we seek ye first, and your righteousness, then all the other great benefits of the kingdom shall be added unto us. Father, thank you that you're raising up a generation that doesn't want to be like the status quo, doesn't want to be popular, but wants to be anointed by your power in this last period of time. Anoint us, raise us up, give us the ability to go out into our world and touch the hurting, reach the lost, pray for the sick, Pray for those that need miracles in their bodies. Father, raise up a remnant of people that will not compromise your word, will not compromise where you stand on issues, but will preach it in truth, unafraid, unafraid of the opinions of man, unafraid of being accepted by people in the world. We're living for your approval. We're living for your power, and we will be anointed by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to make it clear again at the end of this that I'm not a jerk. <laughs> I'm not someone that likes to just criticize and criticize and criticize. But like I said, I felt a stirring in my spirit to talk about this topic because I think it's vitally important for 
young people to understand that there is a requirement and a standard of living that God requires of his people. And especially those that are in a position or have a platform to minister and be in the fivefold ministry and things like that, God even requires a higher level and a higher standard, in my opinion, of people in that position. So I thought this was important to come on here and make sure you understand from the Bible what holiness is, what how holiness and purity produces the anointing on a person's life. And don't be deceived by all these appearances that modern Christianity goes for, what looks good, what sounds good, what feels good. There is a difference between something that has a gift on it and something that has the anointing of God on it. And I hope today give you a little insight on how you can decipher what that difference is. And I hope also that I place within you a desire for you to value that difference and to be anointed. And so I hope this blessed you. If you want, um, if you have the ability, if you feel led, you can partner with me or give a one-time gift uh, to help me preach the gospel. I'm going to be preaching in Texas and New Hampshire this month, going out a few times this month, and I'm going to be putting out more podcasts. And so if my ministry blesses you, if my preaching helps you, if you want to stand with me to help me reach people before Jesus comes back, you can visit my website, which is PrestonShuttlesworth.com. And through that website, there is a giving tab where you can put your information there and partner with me every month and stand with me at a monthly level or just a one-time gift if you feel led to do that. And so again, my website is PrestonShuttlesworth.com and if you feel led to give, I want to thank you ahead of time for your partnership and I want you to know that I love you. And until I talk to you guys again, I want you to know, I want you to know finally that God loves you, I love you, and I'll talk to you guys soon. 